Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Declining numbers. Uh, if you were reading this and this was, you know, your job, uh, you'd be like, oh, that's, uh, that's kind of scary. So here we go. Uh, 49%, very important. Now, number, question number two is, how often do you attend church slash synagogue? Um, and the responses here are, uh, every week I go, 22 percent of you say every week, you, I don't, I'm, again, this isn't a poll of East, like this is just every week, or this is uh, average American. 20% uh, to, uh, 22% every week, 9%, almost every week, uh, you can kind of see this. But look at these, look at the, again, a decline of, uh, of numbers from 2011 to, to 2021. Um, here's how we're, we're going. Now, this one's kind of funny, because this one says, every week I attended in 2020. That's a bold-faced lie. You did not attend every week in 2020. I have numbers to prove it. You sat at home and watched Netflix, but that's okay. We'll continue on with the next one. Number three was, was this. At the present time, uh, do you think religion as a whole is increasing its influence on American life or losing its influence? Do you think, this is the, this is the question, do you think the, uh, th- that the American church is increasing, go ahead and switch to the next slide for me, Brandon, uh, increasing their influence or decreasing their influence? Uh, in 2021, they said 20 per, only 21% of average Americans think that it's, you know, the church is, the church is doing its job. Like religion is, is being, uh, is influencing kind of the, the, the marketplace and, and the world and, and politics and whatever. Uh, 78% losing its influence uh, in the church. Or, or losing its influence uh, in the world, and the one percent of you is having uh, is the same. And then again, I'm too busy, you know, scoping out other things. I got no opinion on on any of this. Again, the trending is, is downward in that way. But then this one, I saved the one best one for last because um, this is this is one that is like the big one, right? Here's the one that has a bunch of people in my position nervous. All right, do you believe in God? Real simple. This is literally how they worded the question. So, not do you believe in a God? Do you believe in the Christian God? Do you believe in uh, Jewish God? You know, do you believe in Islam God or whatever? Just simply, do you believe in a deity slash God in this way? Eighty-one uh, percent of Americans would say yes. We believe, or I believe, in some sort of. Uh, of God, 17% would say no, and that can be broken down even from there to uh, kind of two basic categories, one being agnostic, being I don't know if I can believe in any sort of God, or I don't think it, even if he exists, I can know him. I don't believe, I don't believe that there's a certain corner. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what I believe. That's, that's basically um, the agnostic spot. I don't know what I believe. And then the atheism spot, which is I believe that there is no God, right? So that, the, those two categories kind of fit in this way. And then one person is like, again, too busy. Don't have time for this. Um, <laughs> but look at the difference between 2011 and 2022. We went from 92% down to 81% and a slow decline uh, of faith uh, in this way in terms of just the simple belief in God, uh, and, and then the discrepancy between, uh, you know, 81% of you uh, believe in God, and then what, 47% said something about this, you know, church is uh, important and influencing. Anyways, this is, a, this is a big deal. This is a three-part series on losing your faith, not because that's what I hope to help you do, okay? Because <laughs> um, uh, that would be like, 
I, I, Sundays would be starting to be lonely for me. You know what I mean? Like I'd just be here and you're all like, oh, I, I, you helped me lose my faith, right? I'd be like a financial planner who's like, let me talk to you about timeshares, right? Uh, that's not what I want to do. But based on the numbers, how could I infer anything else other than it's already happening, so let's talk about it? You know what I mean? And uh, as much as maybe people in my position would say something like, well, yeah, this is like pretty COVID-related and everybody had a chance to kind of sit inside and then, you know, the echo chasms of, of listening to your own news feeds and following only the people who believe the same things as you and echo chambers and all of that kind of stuff, um, that can, you know, that's, I think that can be part of it. But if you look at the long-term trends, it's... Uh, it, it goes beyond that. It was happening, it was sliding in that direction even before. Maybe that sped it up more, I don't know. But to some degree, it's already happening. And so we're gonna talk about it for a couple of weeks and uh, dialogue about it. Anyways, um, you heard Elise mention in the intro video our, our tagline, our mantra, our raison d'etre, it's our reason to exist or whatever. We're trying to be the best option for people who aren't typically into church. And according to the numbers that we just talked about from like a market share standpoint, we've made a grave error in our strategy. Um, if this were Shark Tank, Mark Cuban would be like, yeah, dude, for this reason, I'm out. Um, you've built a whole industry or you're trying to build an industry on a, uh, uh, a, 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 the, the smaller market share. You've missed <laughs> You've missed the whole big thing, right? I mean, if 81% of people who attend a Mariners game enjoy eating a hot dog while at the game, the strategy should be to learn how to sell really good hot dogs. You know what I mean? Um, give them at least something to be excited about. That would be the thing I would say in, in that way. But to be like, yeah, yeah, I know the numbers are there, but we're going to go after the 19% or the 17% or that way is really foolish business strategy. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but the good news for us is that we're not a business. Um, we are a church and we, are, uh, we recognize a responsibility in that way. In fact, and when I read scripture, when I read and, I, I, and as our leadership team is dialogued about what is the purpose of the church, the church is not supposed to be the star of its own story. It's supposed to be the one that goes out and leaves the 99 for the sake of the one. And so therefore, how could we ignore the 19% or 17% or whatever uh, the case may be? Um, that it's not about affirming that which we already believe, but kind of going a different way and realizing that the church does not exist um, for, for, for me and for us. Um, it exists for the sake of, uh, of other people. There's a, a quote from Karl Barth that talks about when the church community believes that it exists for the world, it finally knows what it believes. It finally understands what it's supposed to be for. When it understands it's not about us getting together, it's about something. When we, when we recognize that uh, I come and I, I, uh, I, the way that the teaching is and the way that the, the, the groups function, the way that I serve, um, I serve for the sake of other people. We have people who are, um, you know, uh, recognize, like, I'm a CEO. I don't stack chairs. Like, they, they don't go to their work and be like, I'm not the one who makes coffee. But I need an environment in my life where I, I do that and I serve. Why? Because the point of it is not for me. This isn't for me. I'm not coming to consume this, but to do something uh, for the sake of others. So, anyways, when it comes to that, when it comes to uh, this idea too, uh, I understand this. This is not a... Um, uh, that position of a church strategy for people who are, are losing their faith or have lost their faith or are going through that, uh, it has a nuance to it. And I'm going to explain the nuance. Uh, there's two points to this kind of, what do you mean we're going after the lower market share? And what do you mean, what, what, why is this a foolish uh, endeavor if this is business, but it makes sense if it's a church? Uh, number one, not everybody who believes in God is enthralled with the church. 
right? Um, we recognize that there are plenty of people who have come, and tonight I'll sit at my, in my living room, and we do a 101, as Elise mentioned in the video, and I'll say something about, tell me your church background. Tell me, did you grow up religious? Were your parents religious? What was your, what's your attitude and history with the church? And over and over and over again, um, people uh, in, in my living room over the last few years have been like, love God, like down with J- Jesus, trying to figure that out. Um, but just church, just people, just, I don't know, stuff, man. Um, hurt, burn, politics, uh, lack of accountability, j- junk, uh, all kinds of scandals, whatever. And, and you're like, it's just, it's, a, it's kind of a mess. And so uh, I, I love God, not enthralled with what the pathway is towards the church. But, but then I read scripture, I'm like, I'm called to not forsake the gathering of the people together. And I, I understand, I, I've tried to do things individually and uh, I can't even work out alone, you know, let alone uh, read my Bible and grow in faith and serve other people alone. So I do, I need it, but I, but I despise sometimes it. Despise might be a strong word, but dislike, whatever. Anyways, number two uh, is even if they're unsure about belief in God, this is when this is, comes down to our strategy. Even if they're unsure about belief in God, they aren't necessarily opposed to the idea of church. So there's there's some Christians who are like love God, can't stand some of the church, and then there are people who are like, I'm not sure what I believe about God, but I like the idea for some reason of church. One, perhaps community. I like the idea of finding people and friendships and doing life with other people. I like the idea of. Um, uh, of, of, of a groups thing. I like the idea of me understanding in humility. I don't have it all together and I, I wanna put myself in a place to be able to learn and continually sharpen my skills and, and, and sharpen my faith and that kind of thing. Or perhaps it's like, I like the idea of, of bringing my kids to church and raising them in an environment where moral principles are taught to my kids because Lord knows it's hard to communicate those to me from, as their parent. You know what I mean? Like try my best. But a couple of things, right? Like, number one, I don't know all the answers. And then, and then two, there's like a moral authority thing because my kids know too much about me, right? So for me to be like, hey, this is how you should act, they'd be like, well, sure, dad, you are the paragon of moral virtue, right? And you're like, where did you learn that language? That's your mom. Your mom taught you those words. She said that about me, right? So then, you know, I want, I want to bring them somewhere and have another voice be able to talk to them about the values of loving others and doing, you know, embracing kindness and looking for joy and all of those kinds of things. So that, that's important. So even if people are like, I don't, fall into that category of like the 17%, I don't believe in God. I don't even, I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even know what I believe. Um, then, but, but the, there's, there's still some intrinsic value in a, in a church experience. So, so anyways, this is, this is kind of where this is at. So here's why it gives me hope. Here's why when I see 81% and the trending is going downward, it doesn't matter for me because when we look at, for us strategically, where what we're trying to tackle against is, again, people who love God are not enthralled with the church and then people who are not sure what they believe, but they like the idea of a community. Like this is our sweet spot. This is kind of good news for us. This category seems to be growing. Whereas most churches like, are kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? They still have 81%. They're going to be fine for a while. But, uh, but for us, we're like, this is good. These numbers are, are great. This is our target. Like, I'm not worried about this at all. Now, he, here's what I do know. When, when we come to this and we say, okay, if this is going to be our strategy, this is going to be who we're, we're about, a major risk, quote unquote risk, uh, is you'll see, I don't think it's really a risk at all. But a risk uh, for these sort of people in these categories is what's called a crisis 
of faith, right? Which is basically, I'm not, we wake up one day, we go through something. We have, we have experiences in our life not go the way that we had planned. Our boat gets rocked a little bit. A divorce happens. Somebody gets sick. Somebody, something happens. Financial difficulties arise. I don't know, all kinds of different stuff. Or we just read something or we see something happening in the world and politics. And we see people on, on one side say, well, that's great. And one side say, this is the worst thing ever. And we, and we think to ourselves, I, I don't know what I believe. I'm not sure if I believe and I don't know, even know what I believe. And so we go through maybe for a season of time, maybe for, uh, for, for a moment, maybe for years or whatever. We, we, we just, we're living in this like weird medium where we're like, I'm not sure if and what I believe in this way. And, and we go, you know, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm stepping out of a, of a church community. I'm stepping out of this. I'm not sure. I stopped reading. I stopped doing this. I stopped praying. I, I don't know. And it's weird. And we say, and we, we, we've talked, we, if you grew up in church, you've heard stories of these. These are the people who walked away from the faith or deconverted or you know, whatever. There's all kinds of language that's, that's used for this. And what's interesting about this is that there's no real deconversion stories in the Bible. Did you know that? Like not in the way that we understand it or think about it or speak about it in the modern sense. Um, but there are no stories of people who show up and say, I used to believe in God, but now I don't, or at least I'm not so sure. That kind of deconversion, again, is pretty modern. When people in scripture and in society in general up until about 500 years ago talked about deconverting or when people fall away from the faith, as it will show up in the New Testament a few times, they're not, not, they didn't go from, I believed in something, but now I don't. Um, they're simply transferring their religious beliefs onto something uh, else. In the Old Testament, they would go back to worshiping the local deities of their Canaanite neighbors, right? They go back to worshiping Baal or, or, or all kinds of stuff. Um, and there was constantly uh, like language in the Old Testament of don't fall for the false gods of the other people. Don't, don't, when you go in, don't fall into this idea of these local deities that you know, provide and whatever. Um, stick with Yahweh. Anyways, and then in the New Testament, the biggest deconversion stories were people going back to embracing Judaism instead of the new Christian way. Uh, the only, the, the falling away that we show of people who are like losing their faith in the New Testament were people who go, I'm not sure if the Christian way is, is right. I think I'm gonna go back to a sort of Judaistic sort of thing. And it's, here's the ironic thing about it. When people quote unquote deconvert or move away or lose their faith in kind of the modern sense, they move away from what they perceive to be legalism or rules and into, I don't wanna have any rules. The rules were just man-made and didn't make any sense. And people use them just to simply like compare their worth in, in relation to other people. I wanna go back, if you've, de- if, you've, if you've ever kind of gone through that, I'm losing my faith thing. It's been typically towards a lack of legalism. It's been typically towards, I don't want any rules. I wanna be able to do what I wanna do because I think that this is the right way to do it. And I'm not trying to be rebellious. I just think that the rules are stupid and dumb and, and forced and, and not real. And, and, and so this is, this is kind of an, a, a drift away from legalism. Whereas when people de- deconverted in the New Testament, what's ironic about this whole thing is they moved away from the Christian way back into more a Judaistic way, which was a move away from freedom towards more legalism. This was a deconversion back to, I want more structure. I want more rules. I want more things that are like, um, that, that show me where I'm at in life. More structure, more, more things that are like, well, you, when you sacrifice, you do it this way and you show up here and you make this and you do this and this. And, I, and, and the path towards Christianity was a movement away from that into more of a grace sort of thing. And this was like, ah, I know me. I want something that's more tangible. I want to know that when I go, I make an offering and I can walk away and feel good about life and, that, and that's enough. Um, 
listen to Paul's advice to his apprentice, uh, Timothy. Here's what we get in, in the New Testament, right? We get, uh, we get some gospel stories. We get some stories about here who Jesus was and you know, person teaching, all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of the New Testament is filled with Paul writing letters to different churches that he had started and planted and whatever. But then there's a few letters that are called the pastoral epistles, which are letters that Paul writes to an apprentice named uh, Timothy. And, and, and then he's got another one that he wrote into a church in Philemon. Anyways, but... Uh, this is his kind of way of saying, I've been down this road before. If, if you see me as some sort of authority figure, Timothy, as you pastor your church, here's some helpful, practical advice into church building and, and running your church. And listen to what he has to say about deconversion in the New Testament and how to handle that people walking away from the faith or losing their faith or that you know, belief in God's you know, number kind of dwindling in, in, what I, in whatever way. Here's how you should approach it. The spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, so I'm going to give up the faith and chase after demonic illusion, illusions put forth by professional liars. These liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity for truth. Here, again, if you didn't believe me about this deconversion away from uh, freedom and grace into more legalism, here, here's, what they, here's what he says. Um, they will tell you not to get married. Imagine deconverting to some religion that's like, don't get married. They'll tell you not to eat this food or that food. That's the reason you deconverted from faith in the, from, from a, like a modern faith is somebody goes, you can't drink that. And you're like, I, well, I want to. So what do I, how do I, what do I need to do to make that happen? So I deconverted away from that so that I could drink that, smoke that. We'll, we'll move into this. Here we go. Let's just keep going. They'll tell you not to eat this food or drink. Perfect. Here's Paul. Perfectly good food God created to be eaten heartily and with thanksgiving by believers who know better. Everything God created is good and to be received with thanks. These people were moving from freedom back into a religion which told them what to eat, what not to eat, where to go, how to stand, where to pray, how to worship, how to sacrifice. They wanted that. And Paul's like, don't, let, don't fall for that. You're gonna see a bunch of people go back into legalism because it makes them feel more secure about their holiness. And, and, and he's trying to coach Timothy to say, listen, remind your people, everything God created is good and to be received with thanks in this way. So, so what's changed? I mean, why has so much... Uh, why so much deconversion now in its former form, or in its current form, I should say? A, a way of phrasing the question that I, I did a series on this like two or three years ago anyways, but um, uh, there's a book by a guy named Charles Taylor who wrote A Secular Age. And he talks about this. He goes, here's the question. Why was it virtually impossible not to believe uh, in God in say 1500, year 1500 in our Western society? While in 2000, many of us find this not only easy, but even inescapable. Why 500 years ago would it be like weird, ridiculous, off the wall for somebody to be like, I don't think I believe in God. Or I don't, I don't even know what I believe about God. When right now it's like, not only is it an option that's on the table, but for some of you, it has felt and feels inescapable. I don't know what to do with this. We live in an age that is secular and that we can imagine living and at times do live as though there is no transcendent quality to life at all. This is what he's trying to say. Secular isn't just anti-religion you know, religion or whatever. This is just this idea that, that life is tangible, it's here, it's, it's what I can see, it's what I can touch, it's what I can feel. And sometimes in religion, it feels like that's, there's, there's too much transcendence and, and I just, 
I, I'm focusing on what is real for me and, and what is right in front of me in this way. Most of us in the West uh, hold on to the idea of God, again, 81%, but increasingly fewer of us are sure that we can ever and truly encounter this God or that he is active in any sort of way or he or she or whatever has any sort of interactions or that prayers work or that we're like, I like the idea of God. I just don't know how his existence impacts and influences the way that I do life, which is why the numbers of, of 81% are still high and how it influences American life and influences me and, and you know, encourages me to be a part of a church community and learn and, and, and grow in that way are much, much less, that there is a chasm between those two things. Why, do that, why does that chasm exist? Why is losing our faith such a big endeavor? Because we can believe in something theoretically and watch it have zero impact or minimal impact on how we live and encounter in this way. In fact, we see this in, in, in just an example. Um, after a national tragedy, particularly mass shootings, here's what we see a lot of times on social media. Um, not like, here's a picture of Johnny growing up. It's you know thoughts and prayers or, or whatever to, uh, to, to what happened in, in Uvalde or, or, or in Sandy Hook or wherever the case may be. And then, and, the, and then the other side of things is, oh, to hell with your thoughts and prayers, right? Prayers don't stop bullets. And so it's all kinds of different like, it, it's, it's all kinds of different language that's involved in this. And the reality, the reality of the situation is this. If we were to actually break it down and talk about it truthfully, both share the same operative framework, which is this. A God prayed to may positively affect our psychological constitution. We can feel better about believing in the idea of a God. And this isn't nothing, that's something. But we have a harder time imagining that our prayers actually affect the real world in any true way, shape, or form or that there is any real true encounter, we even would say thoughts and prayers, but like, what, is that, what, do you, what does that mean? Even the activity of prayer, we go, I just find myself not praying any, a lot. Why, what, what, what is that? I still believe in God. Yes, I fall into that category, but I'm in a way sort of losing my faith in that it doesn't really provide any sort of impact in the here and the now. And whether we realize it or not, we've inherited what Taylor would call an imminent frame. And I'll explain that in one second, but an imminent frame is the word that he uses to describe this. An imminent frame, a frame is like a mindset, a lens in which I see the, the, the way that the world works and my life works. Uh, and in this mindset, there is no real room for transcendence. And imminence is simply defined as this, existing or operating within or something being self-contained. When it's imminent, it like makes sense in this, in this self-contained environment. Everything that gives us life is bound up in the natural and the material. This is a big deal. He would say this, Americans now, what's changed from 1500 when nobody believed in this to now? It's like not, a, not only an option, almost feels inescapable. What has changed? We've become more self-contained. We don't need the idea of God anymore. We've had, we've had some scientific breakthroughs teach us it's not praying to God that brings the rain to water the crops. We know it's the cycle of El Nino and La Nina and the way that weather systems sort of work. And we can kind of scan this thing out for 10, 20 days, even though they're a bunch of liars a lot of times. You know what? We feel, we feel, we feel compelled to be like, I don't know that I need that anymore. In fact, we would say, Everything that I need and everything that I value comes to me in material and natural form. What I could really use is a little bit more money or a job that I like or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a place to live. 
that's not astronomically expensive and increasing in rent or whatever, what I could really use, what's gonna bring me the most amount of happiness and in that category of what do you think is gonna provide fulfillment in life, everything that we would list out in that category are tangible, natural things. Things that aren't from God or we, we, what used to be in there is a, you know, a sense of peace, tranquility or whatever. Now we're like money, um, kids who aren't turds. Um, <laughs> uh, this car, specific thing, a house, a pool, uh, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. We, we've changed this thing. Everything that gives us life is bound in the natural and material. And then the third part of the imminence defined is this, that we have, or soon enough we'll have, or we believe, uh, you know, someday I'm gonna work hard enough and I'm gonna save up enough money and the bank account's gonna get to the, the spot where I will have everything that I need. So a sense of, uh, even if I don't feel fulfilled right now, it's only because what I'm missing, what's absent is things that will soon be acquirable through stuff. So we, we, we've, we've kind of, we, we believe in God, but we don't really need him. You know what I mean? And so therefore, like there is no transcendent quality to life. We just, I don't know, we're just accumulating stuff and it can show up in the church as well. Let's, let's, let's set that aside. Let's put the personal stuff aside. The way that it shows up in church is we have this weighty belief in God, again, 81%, but the things that gives the church life, here's how we know that we're growing, how we're successful is through growth and numbers and relevance and whatever. Success has been filled with that. We, we, we think that, you know, um, how do we know that the church is growing? Well, the, the, the bank accounts is we, got, we have to set up rows in the back, right? Uh, worship team w- was, was full. The spirit was, we say things like the spirit was moving today, right? And we're like, well, I mean, there's a lot of people in the room. That was what it, that's what made it feel like really good today. Why did it feel so good today? You know, man, the music was on point today or whatever. Uh, it, it's a, a lot of times it's, uh, it's like this intangible, well, he turned the volume up or there more people decided today was the day I was gonna go to church. I don't know. Uh, how, when we, we just met as, as a board uh, for our annual board meeting and we present, here's the pulse, here's the numbers, here's the finances, here's the goals, here's the strategy. And, and a lot of it is really good and healthy and we need to do this because we wanna be good stewards of the, op, you know, of the opportunity that we have and make good, wise decisions moving forward about the state of this church. But there is definitely... Uh, there, there's been conversations in the past of, uh, of, of attendance numbers and whatever and being like, you know what, those are fine. It's good to kind of look at them and have that be a, a thing, but we cannot allow it to become the thing that we worry about and go, if we're succeeding as a church, it's gonna be because of this. If that, if, if that is simply ran like a business, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna, it's gonna struggle in this way. We're operating under an, under an imminent frame in that way, saying everything that we have, we, we, every, everything that's gonna bring us uh, fulfillment and, and know that we're succeeding is gonna be uh, tangible, it's gonna be material, it's gonna be natural, it's gonna be this. Uh, and if we don't have it now, if we work hard enough, we'll get it, right? And that just, it, it doesn't work in this way. In that, in that sort of a mindset, what the most important thing is survival, right? We just, we just gotta continually, we just gotta survive and stay strong and, and we become the star of our own story. And we're so shocked sometimes and we often learn of intimidation and spiritual abuse that's allowed to fester in a lot of these churches uh, that we feel like, oh, they were so alive. They were, it was doing so well. I wonder what happened, right? Well, we, we got off topic on this. The church is at its best because when it's in a position to witness to the world that the strange God of the Bible still indeed acts that our existence is a more porous existence in terms of 
um, having holes and gaps, that we're not closed off to the transcendent, to the imminent, that God is still at work. In fact, the entire Bible is God is at work with the Israelite people. God is at work with the church. God sent his son. We, we get, the reason that we receive communion at the end of a series is to remind ourselves God is not silent. He is still acting in this world. He sent his son as a forever comment about what he believes about us. And we do this as an act of solidarity with ourselves and with him. And we do this to serve one another. And, and when, when we take him seriously, when he says uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second one is just like it to love your neighbor as yourself. We say, all right, well, we gotta practice that. We gotta do that. We're gonna do these sorts of things. We're gonna take him seriously because we believe that not only did he act in this world, but he continues to act in this world. And we draw attention to this and we, we, we hope for it. And we, we want this. We want to live a, 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 a more a transcendent lifestyle, a lifestyle that says it's not the accumulation of things, it's not stuff, it's not self-contained, it's not if I just had more chances and more money and, and a better car and better house, then, then I'd be happy. It's something different that goes beyond this in this way. This is what the church is for and is the servant of the world and not the primary subject of God's act. The church holds the story, proclaims the story, embodies the story of God's action in the world for the sake of the world's salvation. So that's what, from a church standpoint, we're trying to navigate. Like, just to be honest with you, um, that's what like, our discussions are around from a, a leadership thing. But again, this isn't a series on the church. This is a series on, on you. I just want to let you know that we're not exempt from this and we're, we're working through this ourselves. But back to you for a second. Perhaps the reason that you and I feel a crisis of decline in our relation to our faith, right? Perhaps the reason the numbers are showing up the way that they are is because we have become accustomed to not really having a true need or finding a good fit for God in this world. We still believe in him. The numbers still represent that, but like actual encounters uh, an actual like him or that thing impacting us is, is pretty minimal. Like we're doing fine. We're doing good. There's a lot of other people who need you a lot more than me. So you know what? Uh, go ahead and help them and then I'll, I'll be fine or whatever, right? As, goods and material good, as good as material goods and natural events are, remember Paul said to Timothy, everything, good, everything God created is good and to be received with thanks. Perhaps, perhaps for a few weeks we can uh, discern what it would look like to, to celebrate those things, to engage in those things, not to deny them, right, and fall into the false lies of saying that the things that God created are evil, but to enjoy them, but... In enjoying them, it says to enjoy them and give thanks uh, to this. Not, not to say I enjoy it and I earned it and I worked hard for this and, and this is good, but to, to, to enjoy it and say thank you for giving God, thank you for giving me the, the health, the uh, mental capabilities to do the work that produced the income that was able to purchase this thing or this, this stuff. Like I, how do I tie this into a higher level of, of transcendence? How do I tie this into a higher level of my reliance is really truly on you, that even, even when I uh, am enjoying these things, it's only because of the grace that you've extended to me, that it goes beyond me simply in, in this way, and, and not just on the here and now, but raising my eyes up to a higher level of this. Uh, and, and a question to kind of you know, think about, have you ever tried to recreate a transcendent moment with material goods? You, you've had some sort of a, a transcendent moment, let me get, let me, you know, a, a, 
I, I know I have for sure, uh, of something that I felt like I went to some concert. I, I, I got something. It was, there was a moment where I felt like, like this really deep connection it was really good. It was like life is fulfilling. And then, you know, you try and recreate those moments and it's just more stuff and you try and plug more things and you buy more stuff and you go to more things, you go to more concerts, you go to more places, you do more vacation, you do more camp and you do this to, to try and recreate this sense of the transcendent. And it's so difficult to be able to do that. And you're wondering why did this, why, why is this not working? Because again, we've fallen into this trap where we live inside this imminent frame where everything that we think is gonna provide us fulfillment, everything that gives us life falls in the category of the tangible and the here and the now. And what if, what if that wasn't the case? What if the reason that we're losing our faith is actually a good thing because it's driving us back to asking bigger questions, focusing our minds and our attention on bigger things? So that's what we're gonna talk about for two weeks. So a couple of questions for you to consider. I'm closing with this. Um, just some, a little bit of homework. This is, you can do this on the individual level or um, best case scenario would be uh, do this with somebody that you're doing life with, uh, whether a spouse or family member or cousin or somebody uh, who's watching this online or perhaps or you go out to coffee or lunch or even just discussion over the phone or something like that. But questions to consider. One, number one, and, and this, is, this, is as good, this will go as good as you want it to go. As much as you invest into it and as much as you put into it, that's how much you'll get out of this, okay? So is there room in my life for transcendence? Have I... Do, Right now, looking, this is just a simply looking back, not what should I do moving forward, but looking back in, in, in my most recent couple of weeks, is there room in my life for any sort of transcendence or is everything just kind of like I'm plugging away and it's, it's right in front of me and it's, it's it, everything that gives me life is, is uh, achievable, purchasable. Um, uh, yeah, not really dependent on God in any sort of way, just like dependent on me working hard and being disciplined enough and focused enough and all that kind of stuff, right? Is there any room in my life for transcendence? Number two is this. How have I uh, felt the limitations of living inside of an imminent frame? Taking inventory of my own personal life. How have I felt the limitations? Have I, have I ever pushed up against this? Have there been any times where I've laid my head against, uh, you know, against the pillow at night and thought to myself, um, you've never said, what's this imminent frame like? You've never said that. I know that. <laughs> but you've said something like, why do I feel like I'm simply going through the motions of life, why do I feel like I still believe in concept and the idea of God, but there's something missing, there's something lacking, there is a lack of transcendence there, there is a lack of an encounter with a God who actually is God. Um, there is, uh, like there's, there's a finitude in that, in, in that, that, that belief that, that is, is causing me to be like, I'm not sure I'm not sure what to do with this. I'm struggling. Uh, I'm feeling the limitations of living in a, in a world in which God exists but doesn't really have any sort of encounter or interaction with me. And um, maybe it's busy. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't know, but whatever. And then number three, what would it look like to make room for a God who is God? What would it look like for you, for me, for us as a church together, uh, even in the way that we do church and the way that we evaluate what is you know, good and what's worth our time and our attention in the direction of our resources, what would it look like for me to make room for a God who is God, who is outside of the box that I put him in that, that doesn't really fit into any sort of description category, whatever, even, even in my attempt to kind of be like, well, here's what he's about. He's like, but I'm more than that, right? Like, the incoherence of this idea of a God who is God, what would it look like to make room for a God who actually wants to do something with me, to interact with somebody like me?
Am I open to that kind of transcendence? Am I willing to set aside this imminent frame, this non-porous existence where it's like everything I can have is right here? Could we, in fact, change that up? Could we become a little bit more open to the idea of a God who wants to encounter us, who wants to take this? I know you believe in technically my existence, but do you believe that I want something for you personally and with you personally? So I think losing your faith can actually draw you back into a more healthy outlook of what God's interaction is with you. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think this is fertile ground for some growth, and I hope that we'll take advantage of it individually and then corporately as a church. So let's pray. Father, help us to see this not as a crisis of decline, but an opportunity to grow into uh, a better uh, more functioning awareness of you and your existence and your, uh, your impact and influence on our life. May we this week take evaluation and inventory of, of this and ask ourselves, are we okay with imminent frame stuff? Are we okay with everything that gives us life being tangible and physical? Or is there something more that you're calling us to? Give us wisdom to know what that looks like in our life. Encourage to do something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.